Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. The Book of Lamentations serves as a stern warning that God means what He says. In this episode, we explore the historical background of the people of Israel. The difficult truth is that disobedience to God often leads to unnecessary suffering. The wages of sin is death, and Lamentations is a horrific picture of what choosing death looks like for God's people. Yet even in the despair, there is hope and there is opportunity. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Yellow Balloons Podcast. This is Tim Dunn. We're winding up the series, and we're going to end with a special treat. We've got Brandon Schumann here with us. When I went through this series originally, Brandon filled in for me when we did Lamentations, and we failed to record it. So that's going to turn into uh, what I hope you find is an interesting dialogue between us on Lamentations and also some reflections on some of these exile and return uh, topics that maybe we haven't covered in uh, great detail. So thanks for being with us, Brandon. So the first thing we're going to do is is look at some zoom out here, zoom out and look at the historical overview of the uh, exile and return. Some of this will be a review. Some of it will be some of it will be your insights and reflections on on the um, the whole event, the whole historical event, and then we'll go into some of uh, uh, more detail about Jeremiah and uh, Lamentations. J- Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, and it's a lament over Jerusalem. So it's we'll 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 look some some more detail about about both the book and the person here. So what what um, what have you what are you thinking about in terms of the historical overview, and what what really strikes you about this whole episode? Well, as you said, uh, Tim, and thanks for having me onto the program. Uh, as you said, Tim. Lamentations is about the fall of Jerusalem, and it is Jeremiah's account. It's his lament, his sharp outcry of what took place inside the city when Babylon besieged it. And Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet in part because he wrote Lamentations. So zooming out, like what, what caused this event, what caused this siege and just this horrific destruction of the city... Looking back at just the, the whole historical background of where this falls in the timeline of, of, of Israel's history, as you recall, you've got Abraham, who's around 2100 BC, and then Moses comes later in 1440 BC. I with, usually just say 2000 and 1500 for round numbers. Yeah, there you go. So you've got Moses, who has the Exodus generation, Joshua 40 years later. And then Saul uh, is the first king of Israel, and it's the United Kingdom in 1051. And then as you've talked about, uh, Judah uh, splits and becomes its own kingdom in 931 after you have Saul, David, and Solomon. And then Assyria comes in and and wipes out Israel in 722. Which is the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes. That's right. And Hezekiah was the king of Jerusalem at that time, and Isaiah is the prophet. And God miraculously spared Judah during that siege, because Assyria came for Jerusalem, but but God miraculously intervened. And then you fast forward a few hundred years later to 586, and that is the fall of Jerusalem, where Jerusalem finally collapses and, and everyone's deported to Babylon, 
And then as you've talked about in the return, they come back, they rebuild Jerusalem in 516, the walls get rebuilt a generation later, and then Malachi rounds out the, the Old Testament prophets in, in 433, and then... You get about 400 years with no Bible written, no, no, no prophetic uh, utterances that are written. And lots of action. Lots but... of action. You know, Alexander the Great takes over the world, and, and uh, lo- a lot of things happen in history that were predicted in Daniel, and we, yes. and we, we cover that in the Daniel series. But really, until Jesus comes around, there's sometimes called the 400 years of silence. That's right. And so this book of Lamentations is specific to that siege of Jerusalem. And so looking in and zooming in a little bit on the historical background of what caused the siege and what transpired during it is is what I'd like to talk about right now. And so Judah is a small kingdom along the main trade routes between two superpowers. You have Egypt to its east and south, and then you have Babylon, which is a relatively new superpower off to uh, Jerusalem's east. I think I said Egypt. You said, yeah, I think Egypt's to the south and west. That's right, Egypt's to the south and west. And then um, actually Babylon's north and east, but in the Bible it's usually said from the north because they didn't ever come from the east because that would have been going across the desert. They, yeah, would, the, they would go up the river and then come down from the north. That's right, and they were following those trade routes to Egypt. Yeah. And so Judah's situated right on those trade routes, so it has an opportunity to be a great influencer of the world if they're faithful. And as we see, Judah's not faithful with that. And so uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, begins to warn Judah over and over again, do not entrust yourself to Egypt. Do not trust Egypt. Don't ally with Egypt. And of course, uh, that's exactly what Judah does. King Jehoiakim of Judah disregards Jeremiah's advice, and he allies himself with a, a guy named Pharaoh Necho, who's the, the ruler of Egypt, and I may be mispronouncing that name. And then Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon defeats Pharaoh Necho in the Battle of Carchemish in 605. And so after he deals with Egypt, he comes to deal with Judah accordingly. And Jehoiakim switches his alliance to Babylon. And then Babylon later has a failed invasion of Egypt. And Jehoiakim switches his alliance back to Egypt, again against Jeremiah's warnings. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem. Jehoiakim dies. And during the siege of Jerusalem falls, this is the first siege in 597, they, they put in a new king, and it's, a, it's actually a little boy named Jeconiah, and he's installed, and, and 10,000 are deported to Babylon, and that's when you have Daniel and, and his friends get deported to Babylon. But Jeconiah's uncle, a guy named Zedekiah, acts as the governing authority over Jerusalem. And Jeconiah... Again, he allies himself with Egypt against Jeremiah's warnings, and then, and it's at that point that Nebuchadnezzar comes back in 587, 586 to besiege Jerusalem, and this time he shows no mercy, and Jerusalem falls in 586. Okay, so there's a, an invasion in 605, and then there's one in 596, and then 586? Is yes. that right? Yeah, a battle between Egypt and, Jeru- Egypt and Babylon in 605, and then... 605 is the, that battle? Okay. Did, so I, ha, I had it in mind that in 605, that's when Daniel went and Ezekiel went in 596 and then 586. They, probably Ezekiel and, and Daniel both went in 596, you, say, you think? 
I think that's that's likely. More likely. Okay. So so we've got the we've got this. Uh, I'm going to pick the winner and go with the winner instead of keeping your word. Thing. That's right. And we we dealt quite a bit on that. That the the insistence that the Bible has on keeping your word. Talked some about the uh, Gibeonites that uh, they. That uh, God, like 400 years later, say you broke your word, you got to keep. So that there's really no time fuse on keeping your word from God's standpoint, which is very uh, useful and and uh, hopeful for us because God doesn't say, "Oh well, my statute of limitations ran out on my yes. promises." <laughs> and that's one of the things that we're going to have in that His promises, in spite of how horrific this is, the promises the promises continue. So. When you, when you say siege, can you paint the picture of what the siege looks like? Jerusalem is a walled city, and they have, uh, during the time of Hezekiah, they rerouted the water source, so they have the ability to withstand long period without uh, being able to get water, which is helpful to them. And you can go through that tunnel today. Um, what, so, but what, what, is, what is happening here? What's, what's the circumstance? So as you described, when an army comes to attack a city, cities are often walled to protect themselves so that way the army can't get in, and then it just becomes a game of waiting it out, and which side is going to break first. And sieges often begin in the late spring or summer, because that's when the crops are all growing and the army can forage and, and have food, and then it's most sieges are lifted either... If the, if the city's still surviving by winter, then, then the army typically goes away because they've run out of food. Um, and so it's, it's a time of starvation. It's a time of uh, massive inflation. Uh, money becomes worthless. Goods, food, any sort of resources to help you stay alive become greatly valuable. And, and it's just a really intense time for, the, for that city that's under siege. And one, one of the things that God had Jeremiah do in his reenact or his little uh, plays, dramas that he put out to try to show people what was coming, is talking about the massive inflation that was going to happen, and and that uh, I think maybe it was Ezekiel that uh, was uh, cooking with dung and things like that. And the reason is because there's just no supplies. Yeah, there's there's, there's fuel to, to cook. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Jeremiah particularly lamented over was uh, basically cannibalism. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's in Lamentations. It's in chapter 2 and chapter 4 is where he mentions those, those things. Um, and, it's, and to me, that's the worst part of the, of the whole thing. I mean, and Lamentations 2.20 says, See, O Lord, and consider, to whom have you done this? Should the women eat their offspring, the children they have cuddled? Should the priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? And then in verse 22, just a verse later, he, Jeremiah has a really kind of a twisted take on this. He says, you have invited as to a feast day the terrors that surround me. And so the, the women, the children, they've run out of food. And so parents are eating their own young. Mothers that were the kindest, sweetest moms in all of the city have been reduced to, to eating their own young. Yeah, so that's a that's a pretty horrific picture of uh, starvation, and 
Sometimes these uh, foreign powers would get these giant toothpicks and go up under the shields and and just uh, pluck the stones out of the wall so the walls would fall down. Hmm. Um, in this particular case, I guess the starvation did the work, or did did both happen? Do you know historically? Uh, eventually, the wall did come down. Okay, and and it it broke, and the army came through, and and there was massive ho- slaughter, wholesale slaughter, and 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 in some some instances, it it probably felt like mercy. <laughs> this thing's this yeah. thing's over. We don't have to keep doing this. Yeah. So there's a there's a scene in in Jeremiah 19 where Jeremiah um, does a an enactment, and he says um, the Lord tells him go get a potter's earthen flask, and take the elders of the people and go out to the the uh, valley of the son of Hinnom, that is by the entry of the potsherd gate. And it says here in verse 3, And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. And we just Mm -hmm. talked about that. That's most definitely what happened. Because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place, because they have burned incense in it, to other gods whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known, and have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. Now, this is the sacrifice to Moloch. And Moloch was a Moab god, is that right? I think he was the Moab primary deity. But the way you would sacrifice to Moloch is they would heat up this metal image, and then you put your baby on it and burn your baby. And so it was child sacrifice. They would do this in the Valley of Hinnom, which is just outside the city. Uh, the the uh, Hebrew word for that is Gehenna. Gah is valley, Hinna, Hinnom. Um, interesting, interesting note that uh, Gehenna shows up in the New Testament uh, 12 times. And in English, they decided to translate it hell, okay, which uh, certainly... It is hellish. It's very hellish, but they probably—that's probably a misleading translation. Um, but but let's read about this Valley of Hinnom, and it's very definitely going to be hellish. So they've also built the high places of Baal. I'm going back to verse five to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or, or speak, nor had it come in my mind. So apparently, Baal worship had had uh, child sacrifices. Well. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. This place shall no longer be called Tophet or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. So it was called the Hinnom Valley, which is it's still called today. You can go. I've been there many times. And uh, it was called Tophet. Tophet means drums. So they would beat the drums so you didn't hear the child screaming. That's horrible. It's really horrific. But so it's interesting that God... God his judgment is almost always giving us what we asked for. So you want you want to sacrifice your children? Well, you're going to end up eating them. You know, it's uh, it's really it's really horrific. He says it's not going to it's going to be called Tophet or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. And I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. The, I think the idea of going to Egypt, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hands of those who seek their lives. Their corpses I will give as meat for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. I will make this city desolate and a hissing, 
Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss because of all its plagues. And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their own daughters. So there's the prophecy. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the desperation with which their enemies and those who seek their lives shall drive them to despair. Then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and say, because so they're outside the potsherd gate and he's breaking the flask and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, even so I will break this people in this city as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet or the Valley of Hinnom or the Valley of Slaughter, Hinnom Valley, till there's no place to bury. Thus I will do in this place. And you can see in, in like in Mark 9, there's a there's a an episode where Jesus says to the disciples, uh, "It's better to cut off your hand than have your body thrown in hell." Well, actually, it's have your body thrown in the Hinnom Valley, and this might have been what he had in mind here. It's better to lose a hand. Nobody wants to lose a hand, but it's better to lose a hand than to lose your whole life and be thrown in this valley. And, and he might have had in mind this slaughter, being part of a slaughter, which came about through disobedience. And in fact, the point that Jesus is making there is don't let anything stand in the way of seeking my way of righteousness. Even, don't let anything, even something good, that's going to be a stumbling block for yourself. Get rid of it, even if it's something that's, that's good, that you have a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of, um, what, I guess, uh, affection for. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a horrific episode in world history. Do you happen to know, like, what percent of the population uh, was lost? I don't know what the percent of the population was that lost, but I know they all suffered greatly for it. Well, to fill up that, that valley's pretty sizable. To fill up that valley with uh, with bodies could have been hundreds of thousands of people. So and there was, was nobody was in the city that was not affected by the not affected by the siege or the, the destruction that followed. Everybody suffered. It was a total catastrophe. Now uh, what about Jeremiah? So he's 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 he went through the siege too. Yes. So Jeremiah is he's been warning all along and he's been punished <laughs> Uh, throughout by the by the people of Jerusalem, by the rulers of Jerusalem. I think he was thrown in a well at some point for speaking the truth because he wasn't telling the kings and the rulers and the governing authorities what they wanted to hear. They had their false prophets who were really quick to tickle the ears of 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 the of their magistrates. But Jeremiah was speaking the truth and and he even says at different points, God, I wish, why did you give this to me? You're, you're plugging me by having me have this, this prophetic vision, and I, I wish that I didn't even have to say this anymore. I wish I could just shut up, but there's this fire that's in my bones that I have to speak. And, and so Jeremiah has some heart-to-heart with God about why is it that I'm the one that has to do this because I'm suffering and nobody's listening, and he endures the whole siege, he survives it, and... Uh, weeps uh, for his people. I mean, he he is is very sad to see this happen. He's he doesn't uh, he doesn't really take that much of a vindictive tone of like now you're getting it. I told you and just sit back. He he doesn't pull a Jonah. Uh, he uh, where he is 
smug and happy to be proven right. He, he weeps for his people, and he does pray uh, some for, for God's vindication uh, with that, but he, he doesn't seem to be very smug in his, in his approach after it's all done. Well, anything else you want to include on this historical context before we go into the, the, the horrors, the lessons that we can gain from this? Yeah, well, you mentioned earlier the Jeremiah's prophecy about this is what will happen, but it actually, there's a prophecy much earlier uh, from Moses saying, choose life, choose death. If you choose life, here's the good things that are going to happen, and if you disobey me, here's the bad things that are going to happen. And this is from, this is what Moses says about it, and this is 800 years or so. My math's terrible, but it's, it's centuries <laughs> before the events actually take place. Uh, and this is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 50, 52. They shall besiege you at your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and the desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile towards his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because he has nothing left in the siege and the desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to her husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter, her placenta which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears. She will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and the desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates, if you do not carefully observe the words of this law that are written in the book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. Wow. I don't think I ever noticed that. That's amazing. And so Moses predicted this and said, There's, you've got two choices. You can go this route, or you can go, at, which is going to lead to unimaginable horrors and death, to where families are fighting over their the, the bodies of their children over who's going to get to eat them. You can go that route, or you can follow me and enjoy all the blessings and the prosperity that, that God wants and encourages us to have. It's your choice. It's your choice. And, and this, of course, this was part of a covenant that, that Moses made and said, okay, if you'll do this, and if you'll obey my law, be self-governing, love your neighbors yourself, uh, live for others instead of living for your own appetites, then I'll make you a priestly nation. You're at this trade route. Everybody will come through and see how fantastic it is to live this way, and you'll affect the whole earth, and you'll do my work for me. Or you can disobey, and if you do, here's the cursings that are going to come up on you, including all of this. And the people said, we signed the agreement. We agree. So it was a deal. Yes. It was a deal. They agreed to the deal up front. But then we've gone over this before, but uh, it's worth repeating, Second Chronicles 36. First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, are all kind of part of the retelling of Israel's history, uh, looking backwards. Uh, first and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings are telling the history in the moment, 
And this is telling it, looking back and saying, how come this happened to us? And it ends in 36.15, And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So I sent him warning after warning. Jeremiah Jeremiah is one of those warnings. He's one of them. Ezekiel is another. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people. And there was no remedy. There was no remedy. So every contract, which a covenant is, it's a contract. Every contract has a remedy section where it says, if you default this contract, you can have a remedy and an opportunity to cure. So this is the, this is the notice. Hey, you're in violation of your contract. They run your, out of remedies. Here's your opportunity to cure. And the grace period ran out. There's no more remedies. So he foreclosed, so to speak. Hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really great point that this was the deal. And they chose it. And it, there was, it's not like this wasn't understood. They just chose not to see it. And that's, and that's the warning that we have today. Because I imagine it was very tempting for Judah to believe, you know, we're God's chosen people. Those bad things really aren't going to happen to us. Those, that thing that Moses said, he's just, that's just gas. It's, that's there to scare little kids, but real bad, real harm, God is not going to let happen because we're his chosen people. And for us as believers, that same temptation applies to us because we can say and look and rest in the truth that if we've believed in Jesus for, the, for forgiving us of our sins and, for, and entrusted ourselves to have eternal life in him, that we're going to heaven when we die. And that is irrevocably true. That's the gift. That is not going to be taken away, and we will go to heaven when we die. We will be with God, and we will always belong to God's family. There's nothing we can do to be kicked out of his family. But it doesn't mean everything's going to be happy, right? That's right. That doesn't mean there are no bad consequences for disobedience. So So now let's kind of move from the historical zoom out and start talking about some of the lessons. So now let's go into... What lessons can we take from this? It's, it's this horrifically bad circumstance that took place. Uh, this could never happen to us. <laughs> that's, that's the temptation. <laughs> yeah. Because God gives us those warnings of obey, because trust and obey me, because God has great reward for us. And if we are faithful to follow God in our lives and in our circumstances and choose to follow him, then there's great blessing that we have, both in this life because we have that closeness with Jesus, but there's also the inheritance of reward that God has for us. And if we disobey God and choose to, to shirk the, the mantle of responsibility that God's given to us, then we can miss out on that prize and we can miss out on the full participation of God's kingdom and dwelling in that. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.